Join me every month for the inspiration to find your finish line. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Find Your Finish Line. We're presented by ActiveIce, the official topical pain relief partner of Iron Man. I'm Mike Riley, your host, and we've got a very special guest on today who is just full of knowledge about triathlon. Keep in mind, this podcast is about you being able to find your finish line, not only at an event or a race, but in life. We have to find our finish line every day, don't we? Every week, every month, every year in order to move forward, to stay positive, to keep ourselves inspired. Plus, we know the biggest lesson in life we can teach ourselves, finish what you start. And it's also the best lesson we can teach our family, friends, our children. So keep it up, everybody out there. And hopefully you'll be inspired by these guests with their stories so that you can keep moving forward. Now it's time to welcome Taryn Gazelle, better known as Triathlon Taryn. He hails out of Canada. Welcome to Find Your Finish Line, Taryn. Thanks for having me, Mike. It's an honor. I tell you, with an introduction like that, it makes me want to step up our podcast intros. (laughs) Holy smokes. I am pumped now. I guess I've done this a few times before live, you know. So you always are, have is... a way of of having me just step up my game. I tell you, like I come away walking, like I gotta learn how to orate the way that Mike does. Wow! All right, all right, stop it. This is about you. Come on now. <laughs> well, you are the creator, the leader, the conductor of formerly Team Tri- uh, Tri- Trainiac, now Motive, which started. Way back in 2014, and you've grown to almost 400,000 strong. Is that almost daunting to you? It's really funny because I remember after putting out about maybe four or five videos on YouTube, YouTube came first, and then we branched out into podcasts and an app and books. And I was at coffee with a friend who I went to school with, and she said, that, That's really cool what you're doing. You might become YouTube famous. And I went, Let's be honest here, Crystal, like nobody's going to tune in to people for like triathlon info out of Winnipeg. Why would they do that? And I never (laughs) thought that anything like this would ever happen. And I thought that at the most, if I really, really knocked it out of the park, I could get some free energy gels out of it. Well, we got those after maybe about six or eight months. And yeah, like it's, it's so surreal when we go to races and get to meet people from all over the world or we do lives where we actually get to interact with people and there's people from Sweden and people from Czechoslovakia, like just literally everywhere. And it's still really bizarre because I'm still just in Winnipeg and, and uh, be honest with you, I'm under a blankie right now in my basement and my PJs. And it's kind of surreal to hear that number of 400,000. Well, I'm not in my PJs, but uh, I'm as comfortable as you are right now. But I'm going to dive down that triathlon road and that following in just a minute. But I want to talk about Taryn. As you know, to find your finish line at an event and a race, we do that. But we've got to find it in life. And when you were taking a look at your life back uh, years ago, uh, your lifestyle, your work ethic, what you were doing, and you didn't really care for what you saw in the mirror, did you? No, not at all. In my mid twenties, I was, I was very out of shape. I had got up to as high as 215 pounds and dieted down. And I 
lifted some weights and tried to be a bodybuilder because I thought that that's what you had to do to be healthy. I thought that's what healthy was. I didn't really have any sort of background in athletics. I just knew that I wasn't happy. I didn't like going into a store and trying to find size 40, 30 jeans. Like those are pretty tough to find. And there was just, there was a flip that there, a switch that flipped one day where I I just got fed up with everything. And it was literally just one switch that all of a sudden I decided that every single day I was going to eat a little bit healthier and train a little bit harder. I was kind of throwing around weights at the time, but didn't know what I was doing. All I knew is that every single day I had to push a little bit. And day after day, I learned a little bit more and a little bit more, got down to the point that I would be like a competitive age group triathlete, but really just started out as most people do. I couldn't swim. I didn't own a bike. I had to run the length of one house and then walk the length of three or four houses to catch my breath again. Uh, And like, I wasn't naturally talented at any of this stuff. I just knew that I want to get out of that unhealthy situation that I was in drinking and eating bad food and, and not looking and feeling the way that I wanted to. And triathlon was the thing that over a number of years finally stuck because it it became part of my life. Well, you know, it's interesting. I talk to a lot of age group athletes and a lot of people that that are in a lifestyle that they know is negative, is destructive, is unhealthy, but yet it takes people, one person could go eight years with it, one could be three, one could be two. What do you think people can do to kind of go to that wall and turn that switch on as opposed to waiting and waiting uh, and you probably wish you to turn that switch on sooner in your life, but what do you think people can do to get that switch turned on? I think it's just, I don't get invited to go back to my alma mater a whole lot when, uh, <laughs> when they bring me back to business school there, um, because I am on podcasts in my PJs and they expect to have people walk in in a suit and tie and, and, uh, Oh goodness, help me if I have to put on a suit and tie these days. So I go back maybe every couple of years. And the one thing that I say to people is don't think about any changes that you want to make in your life as far as like, whether it's health or business or or anything like that, as thinking about what you've got to do to get to where you want to be in five years, because it ends up becoming so daunting. And there are so many steps in between now and that five-year version of you that People don't know where to start and it's scary and it it seems insurmountable. What I have always said is just follow what excites you a little bit every day and what you find curious uh, about maybe it's fitness or maybe it's a social media business or any sort of entrepreneurial endeavor that you've got. Just find something that you're a little bit curious with and push just a little bit out of your comfort zone every single day. And that means that day one, pushing out of your comfort zone, in my case, meant I could run the length of one house, like a hundred feet. That was out of my comfort zone. And then it gradually built over and over. And the same thing happened with the business. So I always tend to focus on what can I do right now that is within what I'm able to do now and today and over the next week, as opposed to where do I want to be in five years? When people say like, what's your five-year goal? I have no idea. I have just a bunch of little mini one week and three month kind of goals because those are things that I can actually feel like I've got control over and it seems less scary to me. It never seemed 
like I was taking any big risks fitness wise or business wise, because I was always just pushing a little bit more. And I think that allows people the freedom to be able to take those first few steps because they're not so daunting that they can't even fathom taking them. Right. And you know, I, I love the philosophy of excitement and curiosity because those two things combined are very powerful on a, on a daily basis for, for everybody. So why, Taryn, why not just go, I'm going to be a runner, run some 5Ks, I'll do this, I'll go swimming. But what was the appeal about swim, bike and run to you? That's a really good question. It came around a little bit by accident. I was doing that bodybuilder thing and it wasn't sticking. I'd lose maybe five, 10 pounds, 15 pounds at the most, and then balloon back up because it's not a really nice life. <laughs> and at one point I ended up tearing a shoulder. So I almost couldn't lift any weight for years. But when I tore that shoulder originally, I knew that I still wanted to do something. So I went to the gym and I started walking on the treadmill. And after a few days, I was like, oh, well, this is pretty boring. So then I intermixed, walk on the treadmill one day, go on a bike the next day. And then I was sitting on the spin bike and just going, oh, well, now this is boring after a few weeks of this. And I looked and there was a pool at the gym. And I figured, ah, yeah, I went to all the don't drown levels of swimming as a kid. I'll go and try to swim. And I was really just trying to stay excited and, and keep engaged. And then there was a friend that I went to university with who I didn't know it at the time. He was an elite under 23 world ranked triathlete. And I said, Hey, you, you did some triathlons, right? And he went, yeah, yeah. What do you want to know? I said, well, how do you do it? How do you, how do you be a triathlete? I'm, I'm kind of running and I'm kind of biking and I'm kind of swimming. And he's like, well, you enter a race and then you do it. Like it was just as simple as that. Like all of the, the things that I had in my head about like, well, what workouts do I do and what gear do I need? And he just said like, just enter a race and just do it. And it's going to be awful and you're not going to know what gear to do, but we all go through that. And that's how it started. I, I could have very easily gone down just a single sport path, but just what I found interesting was the variety. Um, doing just one thing didn't excite me as much as being a little bit more well-rounded and having that diversity every few days where I was able to bounce between swimming, biking, and running. So I think maybe just a little bit of ADD kicked in um, that allowed there, there me to, to gravitate <laughs> towards triathlon instead of just a single sport. You know, I've had so many say, oh my gosh, first timers, I lost my goggles in the water. I couldn't clip into my pedals. My gosh, one of my shoelaces broken, but I had the greatest time ever. You know, so <laughs> if, if, if we could bottle that and let all the newbies know out there and the first timers, it's going to be okay, especially when you come through that, through that finish line. So let's talk about uh, your, your team trainiacs, now Motive, and, and how you want to move forward with it. As you said earlier, you know, all of a sudden, wow, I've got this following and people are listening to me and, and uh, I, I'm trying to give the best advice I can. You know, it's advice you probably give to yourselves. But what do you, what do you think the factor is of, of the combination or the community that people want to be a part of with you? You know what? I'm not really sure exactly what it is. I've got an inkling of what people tell me when we meet them at expos and things like that. I think the, the thing that we stumbled upon maybe about four years ago, it wasn't early on. It was maybe about two years into doing content 
was that I did a couple of videos that were specifically about beginner problems because I remembered how I felt in my first few years doing triathlon, that I was in a pool in a master's group and the coach on deck is yelling down at me. Well, you got to get your high, your elbow a lot higher while you're out of the water. You got to get this big high elbow recovery. And I'm standing there going like, man, I can't even breathe down here. And you're telling me what to do with my elbow. What are you talking about? (laughs) And I thought about that more and more. And I realized that so much of what is written and produced and talked about in this industry. I I read the triathlon training Bible, great book, but I finished it not knowing what the hell was in it. Like I still didn't get it. And I think it's because so much of the industry up until recently was designed, assuming that everyone already knew what, what to do. They like, they already knew the basics. They could already breathe. They could already go for a 30 minute run. And I think that's because a lot of the coaches come from an elite background, whereas I was coming from the background not being able to swim in that pool. So I started making content about how do you breathe when swimming? Do you put underwear on under your bib shorts? Do you change between the swim and the bike? And all of these things that probably about 40% of the entire race field, every single race need to know has been ignored and largely been ignored for about 30, 40 years, as long as the sport has been around. So I just started making content about the things that me as a regular adult onset triathlete that took it up late in life had to figure out. And I think that's what, what started building that community because people realize, like, holy smokes, not everyone is out there crushing Watts and worrying about their VO two max. There are some people out here that are doing quite well that started with having to run 150 feet at a time. Well, you, you've got a concept that you use and, and you're going to be using it moving forward, uh, the lever. And uh, a lever means many things to many different people. You know, when I hear lever right away, well, it's a lever some guy's going to use on a construction site, you know, and, <laughs> and uh, I know it's going to move something and it's stronger than you are and it can, it can jam underneath something and, and move it. So is that what you believe the lever concept is? Uh, something to really help people accomplish and get to their goals and objectives. H- yeah, start- how do you how are you going to use this lever, Taryn? I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I've thought about this over the last year. So, as we start transitioning this hobby and this following that I had into a, a business that we want to grow and we want to have an impact in the endurance sports world, I thought, how can we do that? And an analogy that popped to mind was this idea of the lever. And right now I got a pretty big lever because we got, as you said, 400 and some thousand people following me. And what I'm trying to do is pull on this lever and have me pull on it on one end and on the other end, help people get into triathlon and endurance sports. And it doesn't have to be triathlon. It can be running or cycling or really whatever excites you. Endurance. yeah, Endurance wise. And the reason that I want to, help people get into the sport is because it changed my life. Like I I wouldn't have started this business. I wouldn't have been as confident, as daring as I was, as willing to take on challenges if it weren't for that first time that I went for that 150 foot run. (laughs) And it's life changing to so many people as you've written about it. And as you see at finish lines, Endurance sports changes people's lives because they accomplish something that they never thought they'd be able to accomplish. So I want to pull people into the sport. 
But right now, even though we've got a really big lever, it's just me pulling on that lever. And as we start to think about actually turning this into a business, we're unveiling things like we've built an editorial team with pros and researchers and other coaches and writers who know about different things in the sport that they can write about. We built an ambassador team. And all of a sudden, instead of just me pulling on this lever, it's more people pulling on that lever, which is hopefully going to bring more people into the sport. And I think that that is an important part of our duty as people whose lives have been changed by endurance sports, because there was a time that all of us needed that little bit of help to help change our lives and other people helped us along the way, whether we think about it or not, like there are people that helped us. And if we can get more people that have that mindset, that it's part of their duty as somebody who has already got into the sport to give back to the early people in the sport, I think that'll bring more people in. And unfortunately, what I see a lot of is that people get into the sport get a little bit of talent and all of a sudden kind of start, you know, getting a little bit of bravado and puffing their chest out a little bit about <laughs> how, how good they think they are because they've done all these things that regular people don't do. And that's kind of antithetical to the entire reason that people got into the sport. It's, it's for challenge and it's for excitement and not about, you know, me versus you. And, and, and yeah, I, I think the the more people we can get into that mindset of helping new people come into the sport, the better we'll all be. Well, the, the better we'll be, the better our soul will be, the better our mind will be because we'll be in service of others. Yeah, it's interesting on the ego side of it. You know, we all need and and want our ego. It keeps us, uh, if, if, it's, if it's done right, it keeps us balanced. But a lot of times I see that too. There, it can be inflated after uh, a, a podium finish or, and but you can never forget about where you came from. And those first questions you asked, and, you know, do I wear the underwear underneath my shorts, you know? Uh, and they can never forget where they, where they came from. In building this business in this community, social media-wise is obviously you have to be, quote-unquote, an expert on it. You mentioned YouTube earlier. Are you going down that road in different ways and ideas? Tell us about that. Uh, and is YouTube going to be a much bigger part of it? Uh, that, that's hard to say if it's going to be a bigger part of it. It's always been the primary part of it. We are we are struggling a little bit, I'll be honest, with what YouTube is going to be for us. Because on the one hand, how we built up our, our original following was by documenting my journey and my growth in triathlon, sharing some of the more basic advice that I learned along the way. And that story is kind of, I think it's played out. I've, I've hit some podiums. I've made, made some world championships and yeah, I could go from maybe a 428 half Ironman athlete to a 421 half Ironman athlete. And that's a little bit of an improvement, but I think I'm pretty close to where I'm going to be. And what excites me more is that lever and helping other people and making the story about other people and using our platform to share stories of we use the podcast for this right now, but wondering about how we can use the YouTube channel for this right now. Things like, um, how do you train for triathlon as a black triathlete? I, I can't share that, but we have this big audience and how do we leverage that into um, sharing that information on YouTube as well? Um, or how do you do triathlon as a busy mom? So 
while sharing my story is what originally built things up and it's what gives me that really cool connection to people that I get to meet at races, I don't know if it is the very best way to um, be welcoming to all people out there, more people than people that just look like me. Um, So it's always going to be a big part of things. How we do that is going to be a little bit up in the air, to be honest. I wish I had a better answer for that, but that's something that, that we're trying to trying to balance. Like how do we keep that connection and how do we keep things personal with, with me and, and the followers, but also broaden it out. I'm not, well, to be honest, not really sure. I wish I had a better answer for that. Yeah. You're the focal point and, and I think you're going down the right path because when people hear other people's stories uh, and, and what they've done and what they're doing, it, it's as powerful as your story. So the more you have of that, I believe, the more people are going to come in and go, oh, Taryn's got this person on and, and she or he is like me and this person on and they're going through this type of thing in their life. That's where I think that community becomes even more powerful. So good, I, I say good on you and keep going down that direction. So I'll send you my check on that advice. After, I mean, <laughs> okay, my, yeah. my, my check. I'm not way. sending you a check. I'll yeah. send you my invoice on that advice. <laughs> yeah, afterwards. what is 10% of not a lot? <laughs> Hold on, everyone. We'll be right back after a message from our sponsors. As an endurance athlete, you're constantly pushing your body to new limits, searching for your personal best, for the next finish line. If you're training for an endurance event, whether short distance or long distance, proper recovery is the key to you unlocking your potential. As the official topical pain relief partner for the Ironman US Series, Activice's lineup of topical cooling gel Roll-on and spray features 8% menthol and eucalyptus oil to provide the instant icy relief you need to recover smarter and faster. The water-based non-sticky formula withstands sweat to keep up with the demands and exertion of race day. Don't let muscle pain or sprains hold you back from reaching your potential, from reaching your personal best. Shop the Activices lineup on Amazon today for the support you need to find your finish line. When you put yourself out there, sometimes it can be intimidating, but then sometimes people say things that uh, maybe aren't true or they're a little hurtful because of the social media, social media cathedral, so to speak, that that people are in. And uh, uh, how do you deal with that? Not well. (laughs) <laughs> to be perfectly honest, not very well. Uh, it, it's hurtful. I think anyone who says that when people online start getting that ego and and forgetting about being welcoming of all people uh, and it's directed at you, it, it's tough. Uh, but it's part of the deal. If I want to meet people at expos and in person who cry or like because they get to meet me and I get to hear about how I was even just a small part of Mm -hmm. them getting through a tough part in their life like that that is so much more fulfilling than anything I've ever experienced in my life that it's an honor it's an honor to to be any small part of what people are going through and if I want to have that sort of part of people's lives in a good way it's just part of the pendulum and the spectrum that I am going to have people that 
that just hate me. It's part of it. If you're out there and you're saying things and you have an opinion on anything, I call it the the TTA, the top tier assholes, because there's going to be 1% of people that watch what you do that hate it. And then there's going to be 1% of that 1% that are like real jerks that go online and start bashing you or whatever it is. It's just part of, of the deal. It's unfortunate that it's part of the deal. And it seems like the world is over the past year and a half with the, the lockdowns and coronavirus and everyone being more frustrated and not having an outlet that's healthy. Uh, it seems to have ramped up in the last year and a half, which it makes me sad for those people because that's how they feel that they need to let it out as opposed to going for a run or, or even having people that they can communicate with. But it's part of it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's tough, but it's part of it. If I want the good side of things to, to be able to meet those excellent people that I get to meet in real life, I've got to take the bad. It's just part of the deal. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's not something that you uh, look forward to, but uh, you always have to take a look at the positive side and the percentages of people that do come up to you at events and say things like that. So, uh, but it is part of the business. What, what do you believe in your life? And you can go as far back as you want uh, or to yesterday. What do you think the biggest failure you've had and, and what do you think you learned from that? Yeah. The, the biggest failure that I had, it was a five-year stretch of what happened right before this business. Um, I have always been somebody in my life that I, uh, for good or bad, I get obsessed about things that I, I take on. Uh, I can't just be a triathlete. I've got to be the best known age group triathlete in the world. I can't just be a curler. I've got to be a professional curler on the world curling tour. I can't just be a golfer. I've got to build a golf simulator in my garage and practice it every day. Like I get obsessed about things. And when I got out of university, I went down the finance path and I became an investment advisor because I saw money there. I saw a whole bunch of people that I had worked for and been exposed to and colleagues that were making a million dollars a year. And I figured, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty smart guy. I've always been good at everything. I can go and make a million dollars a year and then use that money to go do whatever I want. And I chased that money. And for five years, I was a spectacularly unsuccessful investment advisor. <laughs> After five years, I managed maybe about $14 million, uh, which in investment advisor land is basically barely enough to not get fired. And I hated it. I, like I just, I hated it. The, the idea of, of even being those rich million dollar a year kind of people and sit there in a suit in a stuffy office and spend 10 hours of every single day, just making money to fund the maybe four hours of my day that I had to myself. It, it wasn't, it wasn't appealing at all. And I think that that showed that I I wasn't into it. I wasn't excited by it. I didn't come home and watch CNBC. I came home and looked about, looked up endurance sports and, and looked at how to build something online. And I think that that's why I wasn't successful because I chased money and I chased something that I thought I needed to do as opposed to finding something that I was really, really curious and passionate about and then just diving into that and trusting that the money would come. And I look at 
say how successful we are with this. I mean, we're not the Kardashians making tens of millions of dollars a year, but we're a hell of a lot more successful than I was as an investment advisor. And I think the only reason for that is because I now buy what I'm selling. I believe in what, what I'm saying. I, I am ex- I'm excited by endurance sports. I believe it can change people's lives. As an investment advisor, I figured if you hired me or Scott, the guy next to me, it didn't matter. And I think that customers or potential customers saw that because I just wasn't passionate about it. And I spent five years suffering through that and eventually just got to that breaking point of realizing that I had to do something that I at least gave a crap about. And this was it. This was what I started doing. Um, I started calling in hooky to work and letting my assistant take phone calls. And I would make speedo videos in the last six months of being an investment advisor because I was at least excited about this. Well, you, you ended up doing what so many people do when they realize they're not uh, happy with what they're doing is they invest in themselves. And when people do that, amazing things happen. And it's not always based on income. It's based on happiness and how you feel about yourself. But I always find out later the income comes, you know, it can, it, it can follow along, but it's not the leader. Uh, and, and I think that's one, a, a great lesson someone told me years ago. Don't let it lead you, but let it follow you, uh, which, which uh, I've, I've taken to heart. So you've raced uh, quite a few 70.3s. Yeah, I, I want to ask you what, because I've seen some funny things at events. What's the funniest thing you've seen while you were racing? I mean, you're <laughs> racing to go, are you kidding me? Well, yeah, one of the funniest things was a friend of mine, like one of my best training partners now, we've actually acknowledged him as like a guy that's got me to a few races in some of our books. Cause he's just the most positive person you can possibly imagine. First time I ever met him was in a local Olympic grassroots triathlon. And we're about five kilometers from transition two, about to come off the bike. And he comes just screaming up in behind me. And he's at the time he's sucking on this gel and he's, he's got this infectious laugh that everyone knows. If you've ever met Super Dave Lipshin in Manitoba, you know it. And, and he's actually kind of known all around the world because he goes to races and just makes friends instantly. And he comes ripping by me on the bike and he's laughing away and he's like, man, this gel is great. Ah, I'm getting supercharged. Ah. And he's laughing and he tears <laughs> off in front of me. So he gets into transition maybe about 45 seconds before me, gets out of transition about 45 seconds before me, rips around the corner, running like you wouldn't believe. He's just got this prancy deer-like run. And I'm like, holy smokes, Dave is just on a tear. What was in that gel? Well, I come around the corner and he's barfing. <laughs> he's, and he's throwing up the gel and he's still laughing and he's looking back at me. He's like, holy smokes, something's wrong with that red gel. Ha! <laughs> and it, it was just the look on his face of laughing and throwing up at the same time. And then he finished 45 seconds in behind me because he finished up his, his up chucking and then went on a tear again, just because he is that kind of guy that it's all just fun to him. And we talk about that red gel all the time. And it was funny because he, I think he finished fourth or fifth. And meanwhile, well, he barfed and he's laughing the whole time and doesn't really care about the exact spot that he's in more than anything. He cared about meeting new people and having a good time. And it just sticks out so much. Well, I, I think I have met him. The name's familiar to me, but I can't wait to see him again. You're going to have to let me know what event he's at that I'm at because I'm going to go right up to him. 
dude, you got any red gel? <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't wait. I'll do that when he's, when he's leaning down into his bike, trying to fit, you know, get ready and transition in the morning and, and Hey, you got any red gel? Anybody got yeah. red gel around here? I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Dave, I hear you got to stay away from the red gel. <laughs> yeah. There's some, you know, and the reason I ask about some of the funniest things you see, because people ask me, so, uh, you know, you got any advice and I'm, you know, my best advice is I'm, I'm not going to tell you how many revolutions per minute to do. And, you know, especially when they're just going in the water, I go, have fun, laugh out there, say hello to somebody else, meet a friend. You know, it's about a long training day with a lot of great people out there. So just go ahead and, and have fun. So that, that's why I love, I love to see, see people smiling whenever they hear their name or say anything or, or they're laughing at their partner out there doing the race with them. I mean, it, it, you just gotta, gotta have fun. When we uh, are able to get back to racing and we're there, we're right, you know, events are starting to happen, which is, which is great. What's your schedule like? I mean, are you going to go to events that you're not because of your new philosophy and the, the lever of go to events that you're not a, a, a racing in and be a part of them some way or somehow? Yeah, actually, for the past four years, the channel and my focus has been solely on my races. So that meant that I traveled less, mm -hmm. I raced less, and I raced faster because I just head down and worked on my intervals and my, my sessions every single day. And I trained alone a lot and it made me faster, but it also kind of burnt me out because I, I lost that connection with the community. I lost connection with a lot of training partners because I was so focused on hitting my specific workouts. And I had to turn down a whole lot of really fun experiences to interesting races and meeting interesting people. More than anything, what I want to focus on right now is just being healthy with as little training hours as I can get away with while still being <laughs> at least somewhat competitive. So as opposed to a 15 hour training week, maybe it's a five hour training week, but I'm kind of hacking away at some fitness by maybe being on a treadmill while I'm working a little bit in the afternoon or using a commute to a golf course and doing that by bike, but, uh, including some intervals. So like, as opposed to just adding more hours over and over and over, just being kind of like a normal person, just regularly fit and accepting that I'm not going to be that 428 half Ironman or the 941 Ironman that I was before, but I'll get to experience a whole lot more races. If, if, athletes want to invite me to take part in a relay at some really cool event. Yeah, I'll go. And maybe I'm not peak fit, but I'll get to meet a bunch of people. And it also means going into some different races, uh, seeing what I can do in a road cycling race or a trail run and just going through endurance sports with experiences and community in mind, as opposed to just podiums and numbers if you do a relay, what would you want to do? The swim, bike, or run? What would you choose to bike, do? Bike, for sure. Bike. Okay. So Any, yeah, anybody, anybody, anybody out there want to ask Taryn to do a relay, tell him you've got a cyclist already, okay? <laughs> yeah. If, anyone that, that uh, really dives deep into my numbers can see that if you put me with swimmers, like actual swimmers, I'll look like a complete beginner. You put me with runners, same thing. I'll look like a bulldog trying to keep up with them. Put me with local cyclists, I can kind of keep up. And uh, that's about the only spot that I could, I can hold my own on a kind of a world-class stage. I love it. Well, it, we, 
we all need to read and listen and, and uh, try to learn from others. But what, what have you read or listened to lately that's inspired you? Well, your book. I'll give you a plug for that. Hearing, well, thank you. Hearing everyone's stories and the connection, I started listening to that right as I was starting to change my mindset. And it was something that impacted me to remember that it's not just about me and, and about my, my finish times. Um, and that, that was one thing. That was uh, an impetus to starting to think this different way. Uh, I'll always plug the seven habits of highly effective people. That was something that I read early on in my fitness journey. I read it just coincidentally right at the same time that I was starting to lose weight and starting to want more out of my life than just drinking a bunch on the weekend and then stopping at McDonald's at two in the morning. Like I wanted mm. something more fulfilling and the seven habits of highly effective people have, has been almost like a Bible to me. I still have the original book that I read with all of the notes in it and all of the post-its sticking out of it. And I treated that as much as a, a life um, ethos and how to mm -hmm. think about life and how to think about what I want over the next decade or two decades and how I want to react to things and how I want to interact with the people around me. And uh, yeah, I would recommend that to anyone who's yeah, struggling to figure out a, a direction in life. And, and I'll say this, like ego kind of takes care of itself. What you need to work on more than anything that is studies have proven over and over and over that more fulfilling is the community aspect of the people, the relationships and as endurance athletes, it's really easy for us to forget that. And that's a really big part of the seven habits of highly effective people, the community and the relationships and how you're giving back. And every time I've struggled in life, it's when I start letting that pendulum swing more towards the, I'm going to focus on myself and race times and money. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Well, Taryn, the uh, final question on find your finish line, we've titled it Try table racing. In the off-road racing world of car racing, they have bench racing. That's when you, you know, you sit around the table, you sit around the bench after the event, you reminisce about what went right, what went wrong, what you loved. So this try table racing question for you is what was the last race that you had the greatest memory in and and reminisce with that about it? Can I, can I speak about a challenge race in this? Well, you can speak about anything you want. Okay. Sure, you can speak about challenge. Okay. So I was in Challenge Roth. It's the only full distance race that I've ever done. Right. Everything was going really well. Had a good training buildup. And at 27 kilometers, I was like, you know what? This Ironman thing is easy. Everyone's off in the <laughs> bushes and they're keeled over and they're cramped. And here I am, I'm just running my five minute kilometers like nothing. Everything's easy. Well, then I get to 29 kilometers and oh my goodness, does the world get hard at 29 kilometers into an Ironman marathon. And at that point in Challenge Roth, you go into a forest and the field is spread out enough that there's almost nobody around and you're just solitary by yourself and it's suffering, absolutely suffering. It's calm. You can't hear anyone. There's no spectators. You're just by yourself in a lot of pain for probably about three kilometers. Well, I come out of that forest and just as you come out of the forest, there's a beer garden there with a stage in the middle. 
And the announcer, I guess, is getting splits of who's coming up through the forest. And as I come out of the forest, I hear the announcer scream, we have triathlon Terran coming up here. He's the biggest triathlon YouTuber in the world. Let's hear it for him. And I'm in the depths of despair and the beer garden erupts. And he starts running around the beer garden with me because you're running through the beer garden. And I did not stop once to do anything during that marathon besides stop and hug him because I needed that so much. And it got me through the next 11 kilometers. I could not believe it. It was one of the most impactful times of my life that that emotion that you've got in the last 15 K of a Ironman marathon run. It's just, it's one of the most vulnerable points that anyone can ever be in, in their entire life. And yeah, you, you've, you hear this thing about finding out about yourself, but it's, it's just raw emotion. It's just you and emotion. And to have that big bunch of excitement while I was essentially by myself in the dark, um, was really, really powerful. Wow. That is a great tri-table topic. Thank you very much for that. I, I love that story. I, I was just picturing it as, as if I was the guy on the microphone bringing you in and uh, I wouldn't have said all those nice things about you, but it had been, it'd been, just, it'd been just as great. <laughs> yeah. Triathlon Terran coming down the finish shoot. He smells like pee. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't have done that. So Terran, how... What's the best way, especially if we got new people watching this podcast, they're being introduced to you, the best way for people to be, be able to get a hold of you and, and uh, contact you? Uh, best way to find me personally is Triathlon Taren, T-A-R-E-N. They can find me on all the social medias. Fortunately, there aren't a lot of Terrans out there, so um, <laughs> it's not like I was Triathlon Steve and had to fight for it. <clears throat> Excuse me, so they can find me there. And then if there are people that like uh, reading more than anything and want a hub, we're building out my motive, M-O-T-T-I-V.com. And that's where we're starting to build out the business side of things. That's where our app is. That's where we house our books. That's where our ambassador team signups were at the beginning of the year. That's where we're bringing in all of the contributors to start writing articles about tri bike versus road bike and being a triathlete as a mom and all of the things that is more than just me. So that's what we're building out there. Well, that is, that is, uh, fantastic. And I'll tell you what, my hats off to you for what you do for our sport and how you bring new people into it. All of us involved in triathlon on the business side and the fun side, uh, want to make sure as many new people come in and feel comfortable about coming into our sport. So, Taryn, thanks for your time today, buddy. I appreciate it. I can't wait to see you at the next event. Well, thanks to you, Mike. Like, uh, I just want to take a second to say thanks to you for everything you've done supporting our YouTube channel when I was just getting started and the podcast <laughs> again when I was just getting started. And I mean, being a friend and and letting us into your condo at Kona and chatting there, you've, you've been one of the the best relationships that we've had come up of uh, this little experience that we've had over the last few years. So thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And thank you, everybody, for joining Find Your Finish Line today. And a big thanks to Activize, the official topical pain relief partner of Ironman. They are our presenting sponsor. By the way, if you've enjoyed the show today, please subscribe to become notified of our upcoming shows. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, or on our website, MikeRiley.net. Keep in mind, everybody, 
You're the cause of your own experiences. If you keep that in mind every day, you'll head down a positive path. Take responsibility for the things you say, you do, and how you treat others. Be well out there, my friends. Can't wait to bring you through the next finish line. And as always, my warmest aloha.